0: welcome to the Randy Tobler Show. Lots going on, including some new news out of the Supreme Court and Justice Samuel Alito. Yes, he says in the Wall Street Journal in the weekend interview, a good read, by the way, if you haven't read it, that he knows who the leaker of his draft from last January that was leaked in May ahead of the Dobbs decision. He knows who it is. We'll just unpack a little bit about that. And uh, tons of talk all morning, including a visit with uh, that I had uh, late last week with Attorney General Andrew Bailey about a number of topics that he is keen on and working on from Kim Gardner to protecting our kids uh, and the federal judge interaction with his order on that matter. We'll be talking with him. Of course, uh, Virginia Cruder will join us later in the program as well. And we'll be talking with Mike Burrell. We've got a, a ton, ton of people and the topics. owe the day of interest to you of course three one four nine one two one zero one nine my number Leah is back we need the applause track there Leah <laughs> is back after uh you Yay! didn't you didn't pull a you didn't pull a uh, biceps or anything with your lifting did you last week or I did no? not did you
1: okay I did no, I good. did I did okay yeah not as great as sure. I thought I was gonna do but that's okay
0: Now, what was the competition?
1: So, two weeks ago, I had a CrossFit competition, and last week, I had a weightlifting competition.
0: Wow! So, Um, so now, were there any uh, were there any competitors by the name of Leah? uh, Except they were actually biological males, and their last name was Thomas. There was not Leah Amston. No, none of that in your competitive leagues, right? I mean, they're not allowing that. No, thankfully. Yeah, that's good. And there's some moves afoot to protect women's sports. Um, Kansas, uh, the Senate there in Kansas overrode the uh, governor's veto of what is considered a model bill by Independent Women's Forum. Uh, they were very, very uh, happy about that, as am I. It's super good news when uh, when there can be protections. Um, and we uh, you know, we also had some interesting revelations this week when we'll play some sound from that. Of course, you um, Joe Biden announcing his campaign for re-election with one of the, I think one of the worst soundbite weeks he had, and we have some sound of that in our bag of wind segment a little bit later. Um, it's uh, it's really tragic to see uh, Leah how this guy is just melting down ahead of right in front of our eyes, and yet um, it appears as though they're not going to have any debates. The DNC wisely, I guess, if they've chosen him as the The nominee, I guess, why would you want to have, you know, Bobby Kennedy or Marianne Williamson get in his way after all? And why would you ask him to talk? Because the minute he opens his mouth off teleprompter, make that on teleprompter or off teleprompter. It's a disaster. So um, that's not going to be that's not going to be good. Now, in your circles at school, you've got fun, right, Leah? What was that you cut out? You have finals coming up at school next week, correct? I do.
1: I do. Okay. I, I graduate next okay. Saturday.
0: Oh, wow. That's fantastic. Um, now, is this one of those deals where you graduate, but you don't really get the diploma? You just get the cardboard cover until you've paid all your parking tickets, which I'm sure you have none of. You don't have any parking tickets. I'm positive.
1: I don't, and I've never heard of that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that. Uh, I think that was, if I remember when the kids graduated from Mizzou, if I'm not mistaken... They didn't really get their diploma until the the finance office had made sure that all of their, you know, whatever debt they had on the, you know, the 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 cafeteria card or whatever, you know, that that was all taken care of. I always thought it was hilarious. Um, That's an interesting deal where your ID card serves as a credit card, and your parents have nothing to say about it. You can just keep spending money. You know, very interesting. Hmm. But you didn't abuse that, I know. You no, mom and dad wouldn't let you get away with it. Yeah, I know, you wouldn't. (laughs) And then of course the big. (laughs) <laughs> the big news of the week: uh, Tucker Carlson out at Fox. Um, Leah, you have any thoughts about that? I mean, that that was bombshell. Uh, I thought uh, that that is still reverberating throughout everyone's discussion that does anything to do with politics, whether they're in the media or not.
1: Um, it was very shocking. I mean, I don't have much to say about it. It just kind of came out of nowhere, like came out of left field, yeah. and yeah, wow.
0: Well, Leah. Uh, I'm sorry, Megyn Kelly had a lot to say about it. She was certainly, um, (laughs) uh, I think it's an understatement to say that she was quite um, aghast, quite um, disappointed and really thought that it was um, a a serious miscue by Fox. Their stock dropped, their uh, viewership dropped tremendously. Uh, Of course, Tucker has come out with a, will play a little excerpt of his two minute video from Wednesday evening um and you know there's been some pushback from those on the left who said well wait a minute you caught him red-handed saying off camera things he wasn't saying on camera um and i think that should be telling for us i mean on this program and i know on this station people say what they believe they're not uh, they're not two-faced poker players here on this station i know all of the all of the celebrities that you listen to uh whether it's uh, Mike and Gabe in the morning, whether it's, uh, you know, Larry, whether it's uh, Tony, Katie, of course, Vic Percelli and Ken. I mean, everyone talks, says what they say, but Tim and Chris and on and on and on. I don't know of anyone that, it, that has ever, you know, said, oh, I can't stand Trump. And then get on the get on the air and say Trump's the greatest thing since Papa Kleenex. You don't hear that. Um and and uh, I think that probably hurt Tucker's brand a little bit when some of those things came out. But they were no no way near as um, hypocritical as uh, as were the things that came out of Maria Bartiromo and and uh, Laura Ingram and, and others are behind the scenes. They didn't buy it. But on TV, they were really endorsing and enabling the likes of um, Sidney Powell and, and Rudy Giuliani and others. And some still say, well, there actually was something there there too. So, um, who knows where it'll all go? Um, I, I for one, think that you're seeing a general uh, softening of the market in cable news in general, and people are moving to streaming. At your house, Leah, do you stream everything, or do you? Uh, is it all? You know, do you do Dish or Direct, or you know, one of the cable services?
1: Um, we have Spectrum, but we also have all the streaming services like Netflix and Hulu and HBO Max. Yeah. yeah.
0: How do you that? That's like trying to drink from a fire hose of content. (laughs) How in the world do you take anything? That's tremendous. A lot of stuff incoming. No. Um, I
1: guess. I mean, I don't know. We don't watch a lot of TV anyway. So, I mean. Yeah. Yeah
0: but yet you have all the streaming services. I don't know, I, maybe. Yeah. yeah. If your mom and dad wants, uh, yeah, if they want some financial advising, I can tell them, turn off some of the streaming services you don't watch. We, we, we found out.
1: We got go rid ahead. of we got rid of some. We used to have yeah. Amazon Prime and we got rid of it, so.
0: Yeah, you know, it's a good idea once in a while to do a little, um, I call it subscription hygiene. You know, because you, you'll get onto these plans where you've got, you know, that someone's taking out of your credit card or an automatic bank withdrawal every month. And you're not using the service, or it doesn't bring value to you. And it's like, wait a minute, let me let me review this. Or you bought some kind of an upgrade when you took out your cell phone and some monthly charge for something that you don't use. Or your cell phone's now so old you don't want coverage on it. Who cares if you lose it? It's four or five years old. You're going to upgrade anyway. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's good. It's a good thing to do that once in a while. In fact, we're in the process of doing that now as well. Um, no, I, I think, and we're about we're probably ready to cut the. Cut the the Dish Network tie pretty soon. I'm not sure. I'm gonna have to call Dish and ask him if they want to compete with the streaming services. You know, the Fubo's and the YouTube TVs.
1: We had Problem to, is, yeah. We had to switch our. Uh, I think we. I don't remember if we used to have Dish or Directv or something. We had to keep switching around because uh, they kept getting rid of the Cardinals games. Valley Sports. Oh, yeah. We go where that is. So.
0: Now I think. As I had, I've been trying to compare the streaming services, and there's one. My uh, my brother turned me on to. Uh, he said, "Y'all look at Fubo TV. They have a lot of, a lot of the stuff you want on there, hmm. and they used to be a little bit cheaper than YouTube. But they have all the sports. That's, I mean, now that's generically all the sports. I, I don't know if Fubo has all of the Cardinals games, whether they're local or not. You know that whole deal. Um, there was an article in the in the journal, by the way. Speaking of that and I'd be curious if folks want to call in. The whole notion of having to pay surcharges to get what you really, really, really want. Or just already paid, I got, a, I got a fuel surcharge the other day, a fuel surcharge on a delivery service that I didn't agree to, I don't think, when I signed the terms of agreement. I don't know, I'm not going to go back and read it because it was a, on a buck and a half on a $100 order for the office, you know, but. I thought, whoa, a fuel surcharge? And this guy in the Wall Street Journal writes how he had he, there was some sporting event he wanted to get. It was it, like you talked about the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying the Cardinals network does this, but I guess he wanted to see some particular game for his hometown team. And he, he had been able to watch all the games and thought he had a subscription to, to, their, to their complete schedule. No, no, no! If you wanted to watch this particular game against this particular rival, it was like a 495 upcharge. I'm like, whoa, what's going on? Um, and so you're going to have to watch out for that, I think. And well, we've seen it in airlines, where they charge. I mean, who is it? Was it Allegiant that flies out of uh, Spirit? No, not Spirit. Over uh, across the river uh, in uh, Belleville area there, uh, and and I know that. Uh, my goodness, you. You pay for everything. I think you pay for the, the napkin if you if you spill something on yourself. You know, pay extra for it. You can't. That was the one. One the only time I flown them once. I, we didn't have a bad flight. It was fine. But you you had to have the app downloaded. You had to have the app downloaded. It was very interesting. But um, well, I think that may be a coming thing, and that's a good point of discussion. <clears throat> when you when you are um, when you're thinking about. Um, Overall, how you pay for goods and services, including governmental things, I think it's really across the board. I'm, I've always been an advocate of user services. In a way, we have that on roads, right? Trucks weigh a lot more than cars, although that's going to change. Well, it's not going to change comparatively, but cars are going to certainly weigh a lot more when the EV craze and hysteria can finally takes hold i'm afraid it's going to the way the country is uh, going you know aoc reintroduced her the whole the whole enchilada green new deal again last week Um, most of it got passed in the inflation um, acceleration act of 2022 not the inflation reduction act it's now turning out to be a big spending package to subsidize their green um, political supporters but um you know, the, the EVs are going to weigh a lot more. Well, those those vehicles that weigh more, that exert more and extract more pressure, uh, you know, and more damage from the uh, concrete to the concrete, they, you know, they pay a little higher charge, right? You got to pay more. You got more axles rolling over the roads. You pay more for your license. Well, that seems to make sense. And that's why I'm an advocate of that. You know, Mitch Daniels, when he was governor in Indiana, Really revolutionized their system over there, and generally, it was—I mean—we he, he really kept taxes at bay. But he turned a lot of their road systems into pay-as-you-go. I mean, after all, if you're if you're if you have a home-based business and you're doing you know remote work, and let's just say for argument's sake you don't have kids, and you know you're pretty much staying within your metro area and you don't get out and use the the interstates much. Um, I don't know that you should have to pay for that except indirectly. So the the, the trucking lines, the transport lines, the Amazon delivery services, on and on and on, uh, the, the places that do deliver your your uh, propane, if you heat with propane or whatever, they tend to, uh, you know, they, they pay the price and then you pass it on. Anyway, that's another discussion. We can uh, bump on that later. Coming up in a few minutes uh, Andrew Bailey and we're gonna um, I want to revisit an interview I had with Andrew Bailey on Thursday afternoon and uh, at seven o'clock we're gonna talk with the emeritus professor Murray Sabrin who's written a new book he's a professor of finance talk to him about some of the numbers indicating a little slowing uh, about another bank first republic in deep deep water and I either on the verge of or now late yesterday may have been already taken into receivership um, after Silicon Valley and signature banks previously a month ago so um We'll see where he thinks the economy is going. Ian Pryor, will will uh, talk with him at eight o'clock. He's the guy that was at the point of the spear. So if you want of of the parent movement for to take back their schools, that's an eight o'clock interview. And of course Virginia Kruta at seven forty-five. So lots coming up on the Tober Show. Don't miss a minute of it. Thanks for being with me. We'll be right back. Don't know. Welcome back to the program. Always great to get together with Missouri's Attorney General, Andrew Bailey. Thanks for joining me, General Bailey. Thank you so much for having me on. Hey, I want to touch first. We have so many things to talk about. Wow, so little time, so much to say. Um, Federal judge sent sent a challenge to... um, you're transit protecting kids against you know <laughs> an assault by the medical establishment of which I'm a part I'm embarrassed to say my goodness uh back to state court what is going on there can you explain what you intended to do where we're at with that and what the federal judge's ruling means yeah well first and foremost no one should be
2: telling kids or anyone else that they were born in the wrong bodies and so we did we We've discovered that these transgender clinics are administering puberty blockers and cross sex hormones and referring kids and other patients for surgery without doing psych assessments, without tracking adverse out- outcomes, and without making provision of mental health services available. And so we promulgated a common sense rule that would just require these providers to offer mental health services, to track adverse outcomes, and to acknowledge the experimental nature of the drugs and that there can be long term health consequences. And suddenly we're under attack. And so we were sued by planned. Parenthood and the ACLU—they hold us into court. We said, "Look, you've raised constitutional challenges." In court, federal judge disagreed. He remanded it back down to state court. And only but at the freaking Missouri have all the information they need, are just automatically convincing sure anyone else that they were born in the wrong bodies.
0: All right. So uh, as I understand it, there was something that was supposed to happen fairly shortly. Right. Was it like a temporary thing or now does the state court have to go through the whole uh, deliberative process again before you get a final determination of where where we stand on this? I mean, are kids protected as of now, minus uh, with, you know, assuming no legislations forthcoming from Jefferson City or not? Uh,
2: We're encouraged by the work the General Assembly has done to promulgate or excuse me, to pass a bill. We're confident the General Assembly will get a bill done this session. It needs to happen. We're certainly encouraging them and working with them and making sure that the General Assembly understands kind of the evolving legal landscape on this issue. But in the short term, what we could do is promulgate an administrative rule. And that's what we did. And the rule was set to go into effect today. Uh, the state court judge put an administrative stay in place to just say, hey, pencils down, we're going to hold on this until I have time to review the lawsuit. And so we hope to get an answer next week because really time is imperative. Look, the, the Planned Parenthood has set up pop-up clinics and is encouraging children and everyone else to come receive these treatments, this chemical castration and mutilation, without sufficient information upon which to make a decision. And so they are racing their assembly lines of mutilation forward to avoid having to disclose the dangerous negative consequences of their behaviors to the patients. So we're going to keep fighting it, and we anticipate, ultimately, a, a victory at the state court level.
0: Well, okay, so there's some good news on the district attorney level, uh, and that is up in Chicago. Cook County attorney Kim Fox won't seek re-election. She's felt the heat is getting out. Kim, Card- Kim Gardner, though, refuses to listen to many voices that say enough. Her prosecutors uh, have more no-shows than Joe Biden does gaffes, A.G. Bailey. Um, Where are we on that front? I know you have some things going on. The legislature has some things going on. Tell us about those efforts. Well, certainly, look, these Soros-backed
2: prosecutors are prosecutors in name only. They intend to deconstruct the criminal justice system and leave the rest of us at risk of attack by violent offenders because they want to defund the police and refuse to enforce the laws. And that's exactly what we see happening in the city of St. Louis Ninety over the past two years. of crimes reported go uncharged at the circuit attorney's office, 96%. If that's not her uh, demonstrable exhibit of her unlawfully refusing to do her job, I don't know what is. So we filed suit to have her removed. After we filed suit, within a month, we had received this wellspring of information from potential witnesses and and additional evidence from former and and current uh, police officers, judges, former employees of the circuit attorney's office and perhaps most importantly, victims of crime. They don't have the same story to tell, which is that she's not charging cases. She's not moving cases forward and she's not informing and conferring with victims about the procedural posture of the cases and it's putting people at risk. So we filed a 121 page amended petition with additional allegations. We finally got it into court and we're arguing over discover. We intend to have access to her files and to her personnel and to be able to put them under oath and depose those witnesses. And if there's a day of reckoning coming and it starts september 25th of this year the judge has ordered us to prepare for trial and to be ready on september 25th and we're going to keep pushing this thing forward and look things are getting worse not better in st louis in the past two weeks there have been two murder trials the circuit attorney is like you said it's a no show she doesn't show up to court she doesn't send any of any of her employees to court and just no shows for a murder trial we're not talking about a docket call we're not talking about a suppression hearing it's a murder trial set for jury trial So she is unlawfully refusing to do her job. We're going to hold her accountable.
0: All right. Well, I I think that I, I, the citizens of St. Louis deserve better. I mean, it's so ironic that they elect someone so incompetent, so negligent, so reckless, and, and it hurts the very people that <laughs> that elected. Uh, so it's, I'm glad that you and, and uh, you know others are looking out for it. That's it's great to see. On another case, uh, you've got uh, you joined um, other state uh, AGs in a First Amendment lawsuit. Uh, where are we on that? Yeah, that,
2: I tell you, that is the most important First Amendment suit in a generation where we've partnered with Louisiana and filed suit against the Biden administration. We have uncovered uh, uncontradicted and direct evidence of a coercion and collusion between the White House, unelected federal bureaucratic agencies and their colleagues in woke big, t- big tech social media corporations. And we have specific emails where uh, senior officials at the White House were saying, hey, take down that Tommy Warren video, take down that Tucker Carlson Clip, and we're directing social media to censor Americans' free speech in violation of the First Amendment. So we're fighting back to defend the Constitution. We reviewed tens of thousands of pages of documents. We've deposed dozens of witnesses. And we're done a vast censorship enterprise. The court has acknowledged the likelihood that this censorship enterprise exists. And we're going to, in the coming weeks and months, we're going to ask for a, a, an injunction to stop Biden from violating Americans' for constitutional right to free speech.
0: Alright. We're talking with uh, Missouri's Attorney General Andrew Bailey and uh, active on several fronts that, that uh, liberty-loving and constitutional, originally loving people uh, cherish and <laughs> we're thankful for that. Uh, on another note, in the wake of the Supreme Court's I guess uh, well, allowing that mifepristone, you know, one component of the abortion cocktail that is now accounting for more than 50% of abortions um... What what can Missouri citizens make of where we're at now with the abortion fight in Missouri? What it means? I mean, we were one of the most ardent and early uh, states to to you know have a law triggered that had been passed previously once uh, the Dobbs decision came down and Roe went away. What about mail order and uh, you know the the whole? Where, where where are we on you know chemical abortions now?
2: Well, we're going to continue to fight for life. All life has value, and we're going to stand up and fight for life, and to that end, we have told pharmacies not to ship these drugs into the state of Missouri. It's a violation of state law, and it's a violation of federal law. And Biden can't get around that without repealing the federal statute. And so we're not a stand for it. And we filed suit. We filed an amicus brief in Texas. That, uh, and I would point out, you know, we didn't just join the other states' briefing there. We filed our own brief because we were <laughs> <laughs> interested in drugs. But let's wants to isolate women and put their health care at risk by racing to administer these dangerous pills that cause innumerable health problems. And so we're fighting back, and uh, we put the FDA on notice, we put the pharmacies on notice, and we're going to keep up the fight.
0: It's uh, it's frightening to, to think the way this thing is heading. I mean, it's uh, certain politically it's been a hot potato issue and uh, may have had a lot to do with uh, that it is the job, the Dobbs decision, may have had a lot to do with why the, the – uh, uh, the the anticipated red wave was only a red ripple last November. Um, politically, it's a hot uh, hot button issue, but you're 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 ardent and and, and strident in your position, right?
2: Oh, absolutely. Look, I uh, again, I'm an adoptive parent. I've been a foster parent. I've, I know how valuable uh, life is, and we're going to fight to protect children in the state of Missouri and also fight to protect women's health care. Again, if people read our amicus brief in the Senate against FDA, these pills are dangerous. They're dangerous for women, and the left wants to isolate those women uh, in order and, and then push dangerous pills on them in order to push a left-wing social agenda. The left's agenda is one of death and destruction. That's true in the circuit attorney case, where they would rather under Undermine the rule of law, even if it means blood in the streets, and it's true in the transgender issue, where they want to, again, race to administer dangerous pills or irreversible surgeries rather than actually protect patients like we're trying to do. And it's true with these abortion pills. And so we're always going to fight to protect life, and we're going to put freedom first and defend our constitutional rights.
0: And I was buoyed to see on your uh, on the homepage of ago.mo.gov just in the last couple days. You've obtained statutory rape convictions against a couple of of, uh, suspects here in in Missouri. Tell us about those. One in Franklin County, uh, another in Morgan County.
2: Yeah, look, I'm a prosecutor first and a politician second. I come from a criminal law background where I've dedicated my professional career to locking up violent offenders and making sure they're not out breaking things and hurting people. And, and that's why I take things like the, the issue with a circuit attorney so seriously. And I took an out to protect and defend the constitution and find justice for victims. And she's refusing to do those things. And, and, and so I'm proud to be leading the state's effort and where the AGO fits within the criminal justice system. You know, we handle prosecutions when we're called in to do so and it's usually against the most violent offenders. Proud to be putting the bad guys away that have clearly hurt people and uh, finding justice for those victims. And we handle 100% of felony appeals. So all the cases come to AG's office at the appellate and Supreme Court level. And again, just proud to partner with law enforcement and defend the work that they do and make sure that uh, we're holding the bad guys accountable and putting them away.
0: General Bailey, I appreciate our time together. The last thing I want to comment on, and, and I'd like for you to, to react to this, I, I, when I was looking at the site today, right at the top of it is a button that says school resolution. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. So I popped it up, and it it's, looks like a template resolution resolution. That parents, we just got done talking with Ian Pryor, who, of course, uh, you know, made a name and and really was behind the whole movement in the Loudoun School District in Virginia. Um, And he's written a book on basically a guidebook for how parents should confront school boards and organize and, 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 you know, be a resistance, frankly, to the woke agenda. But it looks like a resolution that parents could take to their school board. Is that the idea behind that very prominent button on your website, on the AGO website? Yeah, that's absolutely
2: right. Look, when we saw Columbia Public Schools taking young middle school children to a drag show... We we that, that is completely inappropriate and it's illegal. Section one seven zero point zero one five governs how human sexuality is to be taught by schools and parents absolutely have a voice in that process. Columbia Public Schools wanted to quibble with us over whether or not a drag show was a you know education on on human sexuality. Well, it's an inherently sexual performance that emphasizes sexual characteristics designed to appeal to the Purian interest. And so we want to empower parents to make sure that these school boards are held accountable and these school officials aren't pushing a woke left-wing agenda that unnecessarily exposes our children to human sexuality that does not conform to what the statute requires. And parents are always going to have a voice in that process. This is just one tool of many that we're going to use to empower parents to go to these school boards and hold people accountable.
0: Once again, folks, if you want to, uh, you know, present this to your school board and maybe, you know, get an organized uh, movement abo- uh, afoot, ago.mo.gov. And my guest, Andrew Bailey, Missouri's Attorney General on the Randy Tober Show. Thanks for being with me. Look forward to our next conversation. Good luck on the many fronts that you're fighting for what's right. Appreciate it.
2: Hey, thank you, sir. Look forward to talking again soon.
0: Well, welcome uh, welcome back to the program. We're having some technical problems here. We're going to get those straightened out, head to break. I want to remind you, though, that we do have a uh, promotion going on now at the station, News Talk SEL. You won't want to miss it. With Mother's Day just around the corner, uh, it's the I Love Mom Because. Uh, we know you love your mom, and we want you to know why. So this is sponsored by Bluss Jewelers. And, uh, you know, there'll be, uh, if you enter and tell us why you love your mom so much, and boy there's so much to say uh, all entries will be posted on the gallery and every entry will be eligible to win a grand prize of a 500 dollars gift card to blush jewelry only one entry please no even if you have you know a mom and a stepmom and a step stepmom you know still only one one entry and an entry must be two sentences or less so it has to be pithy it has to be pithy when we come back Brittany Griner, yes, Brittany Griner. Remember her from Russian detention and the trade for a uh, <laughs> a doctor of death, a, a Russian arms importer. Uh, she's got some incoherent comments regarding uh, transgenderism. You won't want to miss that. We'll come back and talk about that uh, here on the Randy Tober Show on News Talk STL. Stay there. to the program as the show rolls along today at 644 and um if you want to come on into the program and, and join in on the discussion we'd always uh, love to talk with you 314-912-1019 my number while you're writing and then getting ready to submit your entry about why mom is so special to you on the uh news talk website um i there is an epic battle that is, of course, I think, been brewing. It's been a lot of talk uh, across various media platforms. It's a it's a regular topic on our on our show. And I know across this station and the various people you hear on it. Um, And that is the whole transgender hysteria. I mean, it really is a hysteria at this point, especially among our children. It's become a a social contagion. I think most authorities who are uh, clear minded and and honest about it would say such, there's no way that you go for an incidence of, you know, a decimal point of prevalence in the younger generation and youth to, you know, in some, in some places uh, when polled in various uh, middle school, high school situations up to 20, 25%, especially the girls, uh, the females will say that, yeah, they're, uh, they're, they're transgender or they're fluid or they're non-binary or they're this or that. We've got to, We've got to really address this issue and not let the left, the progressives, the radicals um, take the day and win the day on this. I mean, already you're seeing news reports that um, succumb to this whole of, you know, they when referring to someone who is non-binary, claims to be non-binary, a man who uh, pretends to be a woman, takes medications and puts on a dress. And in some case, tries to you know gets their male genitals sliced, and you know a, a neo-vagina uh, attempted to be made. It's never as functional as an, a, a, a normal anatomy would be. I think it's I think it's really a, t- a sign of the times where people are struggling to find identity, to find meaning, to find fulfillment. Looking and, and to paraphrase an old tune, Leah, you weren't even a glint in your parents' eyes when that tune you know, there was a tune called. Looking for love in all the wrong places, you know. Well, people are looking for, especially young people. They're often confused. They're they're vulnerable to suggestibility. Every I think teen goes through it. I went through it. Leah, maybe you went through it. Everyone goes through it, where you you wonder what's it all about. What am I going to be? Who am I? Do I have worth? I you know no one's asking me out for a date. Or everyone I ask for a date won't won't uh, won't say yes. Um, and I think then people are offered an alternative by. What to me is really a a dishonoring and a disrespectful of creator ordained biology uh, when they suggest, well, you know, uh, you, you said you enjoy being with the girls better, you know, and you actually sort of feel more like a. You know, it makes you feel good when you climb in a treehouse and shoot a deer. You know, a lot of guys like to hunt. So maybe you're hunting. Well, I know a lot of women. Are you know where I'm going with this. I think that it's something that needs to be addressed. We can't allow our professionals at the school level or others to um, suggest to our children something that they would never do if it was in the private sector, if they were neighbors down the street. I would hope they wouldn't. But somehow the teachers in many jurisdictions, and often they're forced to by their administrations, by the progressive, radical, NEA, AFT, their leadership, Randy White-Garnet, Weingarten being among them, to basically say that parents have no rights in understanding or knowing or, you know, when when their children start to say they want to be called by a, a boy name. Let's say the girl wants to be called by a boy name. And, and, and you know, then it's our job as teachers, they'll say, to to uh, protect the children. Now, if you're protecting the children, you would let the parents know, and you would get the children some psychiatric help. It's a psychiatric problem they're having. Just like anorexia is a psychiatric problem, especially prominent in young women. It dominates in younger in girls and young women. They look in the mirror and they're skinny, and they think they're big. They're pretty, and they think they're ugly. They're a a girl, and they think they should be a boy. I mean, they don't like what they see, even though what they see is perfectly normal, biologically real, and shouldn't be altered permanently to their own detriment. The studies say that. And if we're treating, if we took 100 of these kids that claim at some point that they think they might be in the wrong body, at a minimum, 60% of them, if Treated medically like a psychiatric condition with medicine and talk therapy, appropriate psychiatric treatment, because often there are other underlying comorbidities, such as depression, anxiety, which is common among our youth anyway. Um, And treat those 60 to as much as 90 percent of those kids will end up being and probably more will end up being gay, not transgender. So that means we're treating a whole swath, a large majority of people that really unnecessarily that don't need to be treated with radical, permanent life-altering therapies. But you've got uninformed basketball players who uh, really sound incoherent when they make comments like Brittany Greiner made in response to a reporter's question about the many laws, including the one like in Kansas that uh, even though, Uh, The governor vetoed it. The Senate overrode that the other day protects women's sports so that men pretending to be women don't compete with women. It's not fair. Depending on the sport, it may not be safe. And here's what Brittany Greiner had to say.
3: Oh, I mean, that, that ranks high on the, on the list of, of things that I'll be fighting for and speaking up against. You know, everyone, has, everyone deserves the right to play. Everyone deserves the right to, to come here, sit in these seats and feel safe and not feel um, like there's a threat or they can't be who they are or um, like, like it's just all eyes on them. Uh, so um, I think it's a crime honestly to to separate um someone for any reason um so i definitely will be speaking up against against those that legislation and those laws that are trying to be passed for sure
0: okay so uh you know it's unfair to separate anyone i mean that that kind of talk is unbelievable then why do we have leagues let's not even have a league let's just have the basketball league, and let's let uh, men compete against kids. If a kid wants to, I mean, where does it end? Uh, let's not have rules about whether men or women can use uh, performance enhancers and testosterone. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And Brittany Griner, you know, that's, you know, when the sports people that know nothing about the biology of this um, and may have an agenda otherwise politically can be dangerous because our kids listen to them. Some adults listen to them. Gene's on the line. Gene, Gene, the dancing machine. How you doing this morning? Welcome to the program. I am good. Good morning, Leah and Randy.
3: How's things?
0: Doing well. I'm disappointed that this, uh, that we're even having to spend so much time helping people understand that males are males, females are females, and the vertebrate. The vertebrate uh, animal, uh, you know, uh, kingdom knows no no such thing as transgender. And if it does, it's it's uh, it, you know it's rare and anomalous. But now it's considered normative in our country, and I don't understand it.
3: I agree. I think there's actually something more nefarious going on when you on a couple of fronts here. When you consider all the damage that uh, China is bringing onto the country with. Uh, drugs, et cetera, et cetera. And then you've got Bill Gates and the various globalists, and it's been known that Gates is kind of a population control guy. I don't know if you want to consider this conspiracy theory, what have you, but more and more as this goes on, I'm thinking really what these uh, people such as he are doing is more population control in the sense when you really look at it between killing kids with the drugs and everything, that there's a move afoot really to reduce the ability of the United States to replace its population.
0: Well, I mean, we're already not replacing our population with the decision that many are making uh, in the, in the most prime reproductive age generations. Uh, They're just deciding not to have kids under the guise of, well, it's a tough world and it's going to end in 12 years anyway because Greta Thornburg said so and John Kerry said so. And uh, it costs so much to do this and it's so hard to do that. And so people decide not to have kids. And then you put on top of it that, you know, maybe that messaging in terms of this whole advancement of, you know, reproductive um, uh, opposing kind of lifestyle choices. You're right. Maybe there is some conspiracy. You don't have your tin foil hat on this morning, do you, Gene? Oh no,
3: I've got tin foil hat over the whole house this morning. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but yeah, I, I really uh, wonder about that. But uh, this, the whole transgender thing, et cetera, is just absolutely ridiculous. And Dave Pfeiffer on uh, the show yesterday if I'm recalling correctly, I forget what the exact term is. He is so eloquent in his wordsmithing referred to this uh, guy that was on the, uh, whatever you want to call him on the uh, Bud Light cans that he's not really. Dylan
0: Mulvaney. Yeah. Now we're going to start calling Budweiser light, the queen of beers, right?
3: Yeah, really? That's true. That, He's got some other uh, psychological problem on that. Pardon the expression. He gets off and gets himself excited going out and dressing up and thinking he, dressing up like a woman. That that's yeah. his yeah. shtick.
0: Well, I think that there is a fetish. A lot of that when you see males, older men, who suddenly you know want to wear women's lingerie and you know twerk around like pole dancers and 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 you know wear women's dresses there's, there's they've got some kind of a fetish plus i think they probably want to get into the women's locker room right i mean we've seen that too so oh sure hey, at any rate oh we yeah got, we gotta run gene we're we're up against a hard break i see uh, leah giving me the outside thanks for calling buddy it's always great yep to i see to you her
3: on rumble thanks
0: <laughs> all right take care when we come back Professor Murray Sabrin talks us. He doesn't know whether Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton Joe Biden, will be uh, the nominee when it comes to uh, the 24 election, although he announced last week. We'll talk with him about that and financial matters when we come back. Top of the hour on The Randy Tobler Show. Great to be with you. It's been a long time from a You made the rain. So when it falls on me, should I complain? You're calling me Welcome to the second hour of the thing. Randy Tobler Show on News Talk STL 1019941. Thank you for being here in this so pivotal time in our country's history as we see China exerting influence on their long strategic power grab for world dominion. We see a feckless and weak president who announced just this past week for re-election. Um, and many people within his own party saying, what in the world are you thinking? Well, to help us straighten out what's going on in this crazy world of ours is um, an American, a great American story. And he is, he is Murray Sabron, Dr. Murray Sabron, author of From Immigrant to Public Intellectual, and American story. He's an emeritus professor of finance at Ramapo College of New Jersey. It's a pleasure and a privilege to talk with you, Dr. Sabrin. Thanks for being with me.
4: Well, great to be with you, Randy. It's always good to uh, discuss the great issues of the time with uh, talk show hosts.
0: You know, we're really uh, we're really at a turning point in our country's history. And it sounds like we say that, you know, as every election cycle gears up, but not in my uh, several decades on this earth. And I think in those who have looked at historically, this is really one of those times that occurs every 50 to 100 years. I mean, it was 50 years ago or more when we had uh, 50, 60 years ago with the the riots of the 60s and the upheaval, uh, even at the Democratic Convention in Chicago. Uh, we saw the summer of 2020 rip Americans apart and how divisive that was. And I don't see it getting any better any soon, particularly with the language coming out of the progressive left. They'll do anything to continue man- maintain their power, it appears, won't they?
4: Well, I've never been more uh, pessimistic about uh, the U.S. economy and the future of the country Um uh, Right now, because uh, we had something that uh, who thought we, was gonna, we were going to have lockdowns and um, mask mandates and um, mandated vaccines uh, because of COVID. And this is this was a major, major turning point in my lifetime here in, in the United States, because um, never before has the federal government and state government said that uh, your health con- uh, issues are not your responsibility. It's our responsibility. And that to me is anathema to a free society.
0: Yeah, yeah. Your story is one that is inspiring, though. And on the one hand, people that read about you and learn about you through your book, um, From an Immigrant to Public Intellectual, American Story, I think um, yearn for those days when it was about a meritocracy and it was about earning your way to whatever level of the ladder, whatever rung on the ladder you wanted to to climb. And there was an opportunity and America was the land of opportunity. And any more uh, with the Balkanization and the victimization culture and the you know the way things are going i don 't know whether your story could be repeated these days well, it
4: can because there are a lot of people out there who still believe in the meritocracy. Unfortunately, the people in power don 't they believe in uh, racial politics uh, ethnic politics uh, sex politics uh, gender politics you name it it 's all about uh, what group you belong to and not what your credentials are, and having served on so many um, Search committees at Ramapo College uh, during my 35-year career, uh, we looked at people's credentials. We didn't care what what their gender or uh, other factors were. It was, can you do this job? What experience do you bring to the job? Is your personality something that people can uh, embrace? And uh, will you be a a great addition to the staff, whether it's a faculty position or an administrative position? And I must say, in all the years that I was on search committees, meritocracy was the key component of our search decisions.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I've I've often wondered, being in the medical business, I've often just been aghast at how absurd it is for people to maintain that, um, if, especially in a capitalist, you know, relatively free market economy used to be anyway. Um, why, if I'm a businessman and I want someone who's going to either make the very best, you know, you name it, the widget, the, the steering wheel, the whatever on the assembly line, sell the, the most of my product. Um, you name whatever function they're doing for me as an employee. Why in the world would I would I subordinate that priority to whether they, you know, have a tattoo or they have brown skin or black skin or a woman or over 50 or whatever? I, it's never made sense to me. If I've got a profit motive, I want the person I want a people working with and for me who have that same motive and want to share in the prosperity it brings. It's never made common sense well, to me.
4: Well, that's the way the private sector works. Unfortunately, the public sector doesn't work. I mean, when Joe Biden said that he will only appoint a black woman to the Supreme Court, could you imagine if an employer said, I will... I will only hire white males to to the uh, the CEO of my company, that would be an outrage and it would be against the law. But the Biden kick could get away with this because that's the way the government operates. The government operates different from the private sector. We do things that that are illegal that the federal government can do with impunity. And this is the reason we have a constitutional crisis, a moral decay in this country because government is overstepping its bounds. I took an oath in 1959 when I became a U.S. citizen to uphold the Constitution. I wish the President and the members of Congress and the members of the Supreme Court would do the same. We have a much better society if we just follow the rules outlined in the Constitution.
0: We're talking with Dr. Murray Sabrin, Professor Emeritus and a professor of finance at Ramapo College of uh, of, uh, New Jersey and author of the book, From Immigrant to Public Intellectual American Story. All right, let's, let's switch to your wheelhouse here. Um, Economic numbers came out the other day. Growth slipped in the first quarter. Uh, it seems yeah. as though we have active stance. Uh, for years, the, the Federal Reserve suppressed uh, interest rates. And now in a catch-up mode while inflation went out of hand because of, you know, partly because of that and partly because of profligate, you know, spending part of the government. And now just ramped up the inflation to the interest uh, rate uh, hikes one over another every month for a while there Um, are we going to be heading into a recession what can be done to go to a soft landing how do you prognosticate uh, in this election cycle our economy over the next 12 to 18 months
4: Well, the recession was baked in when the Federal Reserve went gangbusters in 2020 to uh, address the COVID lockdowns. When they created literally uh, trillions of dollars overnight, that money has been flowing through the economy, bidding up prices of everything from collectibles to housing to wages, salaries, um, automobiles, you name it. I mean, the average price of an automobile today is nearly $50,000, which is just incredible. That means the average person really can't afford a burn new car. And so right now, the chickens are coming up to roost. When you have a bubble like the Federal Reserve has created time and time again, since it was created in 1913, you get a recession, which is basically a readjustment of the economy to quote normal economic conditions uh, without inflating. And so the Federal Reserve is the problem. It's always been the problem since it's been created. And I've been writing about it, as other people have as well, that we have to stop the Fed from creating money and manipulating interest rates and just allow the free market to determine interest rates and not create money which, of course, hurts lower middle-income folks. And, of course, wealthy people love it because they own a lot of the assets that are inflated during a uh, cycle that the mm-hmm. Fed creates.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I'm concerned, though, Murray, that we're at a point in our culture that there are enough Americans, particularly young, gullible Americans, that don't really understand the importance of the, the great successes of free market economies as opposed to, the failures of socialist and um central controlled economies along with tyranny and deaths that result in those i mean should we talk about stalin should we talk about others (laughs) Um, but there's enough people that are nibbling at the worm that the mama bird up in dc wants to give i'm speaking of the democrats and in some cases the republicans Free debt for college kids. Oh, we're going to subsidize home mortgage rates starting May first, uh, where mm-hmm. people with good credit scores are going to get sub going to get uh, surcharged on their home loans, so that they can subsidize people who haven't been as performing on their rates. Are we at a point where the the takers are going to vote their own personal interests interests um, to the detriment of the entire economy in our country?
4: Yeah, this this is the cycle that we're now in is that, uh, going back to your previous point, meritocracy has been diminished tremendously in this country and entitlement has become the, the pervasive cultural phenomenon and so since the great society actually before, before that with the new deal the federal government has said to people you're not responsible for your life therefore we're giving you social security you're not responsible for your health care that's why we're giving you medicare and medicaid and uh, i grew up in a household where my father worked uh, two jobs uh, many times to provide for his family and he then never said uh, we got to get a government program to help us out no he worked nine to five in his job and then he worked on the weekends as a cab driver in new york city and that's the way uh, i grew up learning that work is what you do in order to achieve your financial and economic goals and that has been replaced by entitlement and how do we get out of it is the sixty four thousand dollars question that's why i've written the books that i have on health care and federal reserve and my uh memoir to show that you can achieve great things in this country i don't consider what i did great things but People have a great idea, as I've told my students. You can become fabulously wealthy in America as long as there's a market for it and people like what you're doing, whether it's a product or a service.
0: Yeah. Well, the old uh, the old formula of hard work and um, grit and resilience. I mean, those were uh, tried and true ways to. To, for success. But anymore, all you have to do is pull the lever for the right candidate or become involved in the right movement for someone who wants to redistribute and plunder one group and give to another. And uh, <laughs> that's the way, the way we're going. Hey, but I, 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 you have to, and my tongue's in my cheek here, Murray. You have to be excited. Lee, I want you to play that sound, please. Um, this was the week Joe Biden announced his reelection campaign. And in the same week, Seemed to say that he was enthusiastic about someone else becoming president. You have that up, Leah?
1: Uh, which one? What number?
0: Okay. Yeah, it was the number, the first clip.
1: Uh, I do not.
0: Okay, well that's okay. Uh, well, he he got confused with the teleprompter, uh, Murray when he was saying uh, well, we got to reelect Donald Trump. We got—I mean, the guy is so cognitively challenged <laughs> now that it's 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 frightening. And yet, people, many people, even former rabid Trump supporters, are a little lukewarm on him too. W- what are your what do you think about this election cycle? Is someone going to emerge, some uh, dark horse candidate that maybe um, has the right messaging but not the personal baggage that could emerge as a yeah. uh, as a winner.
4: Well, I wrote recently on my Substack column, Murray substack that Substack.com. I don't think Biden and Harris will be the tickets of the Democrats because I think the Democratic insiders are worried about that Biden is one fall away from ending up in a nursing home because he's not only health challenged, but cognitively challenged, as he pointed out. And so I think what's going to happen is that uh, how do you get rid of Biden and Harris? Is uh, The progressives really want a black woman on the ticket. Uh, Here's here's the scenario I see unfolding. Biden withdraws from the uh, campaign just before the uh, Democratic convention in the summer of 2024. The insiders get together and pick Gavin Newsom. He's from California. You can't have a president and a vice president from the same state. So this way he has to pick somebody other than Kamala Harris. And that's this way you get uh, rid of two birds with one stone by Biden um, dropping out of the race.
0: Kamala Harris has shown her incompetence over and over and over again and I mean, I'd hate to be someone at the DNC trying to figure out this mess, but I think you're you know your you know uh, prediction there probably threads the needle as as well as it can be threaded. I mean, look at the look at the the aggregate uh, support in some of the latest polls that Bobby Kennedy and Marianne Williamson have, Murray. I mean, it's a, it's a pro, what twenty five, almost thirty percent in some polls <laughs> against a sitting incumbent. So that doesn't bode well for Biden. But you're right. I think there's there's a lot of strings being pulled behind the behind the scenes. I'm not sure. What do you think about the conservative movement? And is Trump a dumb deal, a done deal, or not?
4: Well, there's a long time between now and the the convention, so anything can happen in politics, as we've seen over my lifetime. And so I wouldn't count Trump in. I wouldn't count him out. But the point is, um, what's going to happen with all these indictments, uh, how that affects people's perception of him, and whether the Republicans will want to go with somebody who the, uh, the legal system is going after. And so that's the really challenge for the Republicans is what's going to happen uh, with the, all these di- indictments coming down the, the pike and uh, who will the Republicans go to? They go to DeSantis, who was proven to be... Um, uh, attractive in in Florida where, where he won by 19 points. That's unheard of in Florida when uh, uh, the last election, he just barely squeezed Bernie for governor for the first time. So uh, given the people are moving to Florida, we moved to Florida two years ago and I couldn't have been happier because uh, it's a breath of fresh air compared to New Jersey where we lived for nearly four and a half decades. So um, it's going to be an interesting race right now. It doesn't look like anyone can overtake Trump. But remember, when Trump got into the race in 2015, he was polling at 3%. And once the uh, debates occurred, he blew the opposition away, uh, longtime political uh, um, uh, officials. And so uh, you can never count someone coming from the back of the race and, uh, and doing something spectacular. So we'll see if, if uh, someone can replicate what Trump did in, in 2016, or Trump will be the presumptive nominee because he's so far ahead in the polls.
0: Well, Joe Biden uh, thinks that Trump might be the nominee. Take a listen how he got his tang tangled, Murray. Listen to this. Turn this primary from a ca-
3: and turn turn this primary from a campaign that's about negative attacks into one about what we're for because we cannot get reelected. We cannot win this re-election. Excuse me. We can only re-elect Donald Trump. <laughs>
0: uh, I, you just can't make this kind of stuff up. That in twenty twenty three in The greatest country that the planet's ever seen, Murray Sabrin, that you've got a sitting president that said that on the very week that he launched a reelection bid. I don't think he's going to last the rest of the term.
4: Well, from that clip, I mean, it's really sad, it really is, because I've been involved in political campaigns as a candidate in New Jersey, and you have to be at your best when you're in front of the public, uh, appearance-wise and and, uh, speech-wise, because it's public perceives you as someone who they have, do, not, do not have confidence in, why should they vote for you? But unfortunately, in this country, and it's on both sides of the aisle, if you have a D after your name, you're automatically going to get a certain percentage of votes. If you have an R after your name, you're going to have a certain percentage of votes. And that's why it's so hard for independent candidates to make a breakthrough. Yeah. Uh, the most successful one uh, was uh, uh, Jesse Ventura in 1998 when he ran for governor in, in uh, Minnesota and blew the opposition away and, um, and of course Bernie Sanders has been running as an independent but uh, we are stuck with two choices and a lot of people as we know the largest voting bloc of this country are independents and they're the ones that really determine the outcome of the election not the Democrats and Republicans
0: Yeah, there's no doubt. It's going to be an interesting cycle. Hope that we can tap into your expertise and wisdom and analysis uh, as things progress. And as the economy uh, becomes a shapeshifter, I think things are going to be wild and woolly, and the government response in this political season will be interesting. It'll be an interesting rubric. Murray Sabrin, thank you very, very much for writing your book. I can't wait to read it, and thanks for being with me on the Tobler Show today.
4: My pleasure, Randy. Look forward to doing it again.
0: All right. We will do that. Dr. Murray Sabrin and uh, his memoir is uh, something I would uh, commend to you to read. It'll give you it'll give you hope because indeed, um, you know this is a guy who was an immigrant and now a public intellectual and an outspoken um, an outspoken voice for libertarian virtues and that's uh, it's a voice that needs to be heard. When we come back, uh, I want to take your calls on the Biden pronouncement you just heard. We've got a little Kamala word salad for you. Uh, coming up at 745, Virginia Cruda. Uh, and uh, 8 o'clock, Ian Pryor. For those of you who are involved in your children's education or want to be more involved, you'll want to catch that interview as well. Tons coming up on the Randy Tober Show here on 101.9, 94.1 News Talk STL. Be right back. Coming up in just a few, we'll be talking to Virginia Cruda. From the Daily Wire, you read and hear a lot from Virginia here on the station as well. What are your thoughts about this uh, this election cycle? I mean, Murray Sabrin, in the interview just uh, passed, uh, you know, had an interesting analysis. I think like a lot of people are scratching their heads. When you see Joe Biden's just absolutely abysmal performance, anytime he, well, even when he's on the teleprompter, but especially when he's not, it is just a disaster. Um. And you just can't imagine that those independent, middle of the road voters who maybe in sixteen voted for Donald Trump and in twenty didn't—you um, wonder if they're going to be satisfied with a Joe Biden that they can't even put on a debate stage because he's not going to be able to hold his own. So, are they are they just prepping for a Kamala Harris presidency? And how's that going to work out if she then runs for re-election? She's the worst candidate that I can ever recall in my lifetime, bar none. And, um, well, I mean, she she just, uh, Leah, I think I sent you that clip from her that that there's really nothing else but word salad that you can describe time after time when she starts trying to just see how many words she can put in a, you know, 30, 40 second Soundbite. Here's what she was saying the other day. Try to make some sense of this. Sorry, which one? Oh, the Kamala Harris uh, clip there. Number 18, Ken. Oh, I got you. Okay.
5: So I think it's very important, as you have heard from so many incredible leaders, for us at every moment in time, and certainly this one, to see the moment. In time in which we exist in our present and to be able to contextualize it to understand where we exist in the history and in the moment as it relates not only to the past but the future
0: do you have any clue what she was trying to say do you have any confidence that she knew what she was trying to say that's even scarier or was she just rambling incoherently to fill time and to try to sound wise, uh, uh, cognitively intact compared to her boss? Uh, it's 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 astounding. I mean, I don't. This was a woman who had to drop out of the primary race because she couldn't get any votes in Iowa, and because of her identity politics. Joe Biden's need to try to balance the ticket in a in a racial and gender manner I can think of I can think of a ton of many more many more accomplished and um aside from ideology um you know folks that that, that could could have fit the same bill if you wanted to use the identity politics labeling okay My goodness. I think there may be another thing, though, and I'm going to put on my tinfoil hat here. Well, maybe not. Something that hasn't been reported much. Oh, it was reported. But then there wasn't much analysis done on it. And I'm just thinking, you recall that Susan Rice, who was, of course, a close friend of the Obamas, a confidant and an advisor to them. And, of course, got herself in some hot water with some foreign policy uh, things in the in the Obama administration as well, and some statements that she was sent out on the Talking head show to uh, to say. Oh, about the Middle East, remember some of those incidents. She is no longer going to be a senior advisor to President Biden stepping out. Now, look at the situation here. Just 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 stay with me. You you have a Joe Biden who, with every passing day, is less and less common any objective measure. And by those who are in the Democratic base, as far as the voters go, the Democratic electorate is not happy with Joe, at least in the same numbers you'd expect. And they would historically support an incumbent. That's fact number one. Sitting behind Joe Biden was Kamala Harris, who you just heard. I mean, can you imagine? And the, the gaffes that she's made on the international front, certainly when she gives domestic speeches, it just can't, you can't make sense of it. So she would certainly not be anyone that anyone who's wanting to see Democrat power be consolidated and extended in the Oval Office. They can't be banking on her. Murray, Murray Saber, who we talked with last segment, thinks that it could be Gavin Newsom, which would then eliminate Kamala Harris because you can't have the pres and the vice pres be from the same, from the same state. Okay. Susan Rice, Susan Rice, great friend of the Obama's who is the one African American Democrat woman who is held in high esteem by people in all demographics that have a, a progressive bone in their body, they don't, you don't have to be super progressive. There are probably many women who voted for Trump in 2020, but who watch this person maybe when she's on Oprah or when she writes a book. And maybe they voted for Biden in 22, okay, but I'm not. You know, I'm not saying MAGA hat wearing people would vote for this person. But this person and Susan Rice are very good friends. Leah, do you know who I'm talking about? I do not. Michelle Obama. Uh. And Susan Rice drops out of the advisory role with Joe Biden. I just wonder if, uh, if there's a Michelle Obama candidacy afoot. And that if she won't be the last minute consensus, maybe not. I mean, uh, th- that's last minute overtly to the to to people who haven't followed it and haven't thought it through. Maybe she is that compromise candidate who, in a contentious Democrat party uh, convention next year, comes to the rescue. And Susan Rice may be behind the scenes, starting to gather support for such a move. And it may not have unfolded, unfolded exactly that way or in exactly on that timeline. Mark my words. What day is it? The 29th of April. Leah, mark this. Make sure you got this down. Okay. Because I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see Michelle Obama either at the head of or as a, a ticket or as a replacement to Kamala Harris. I would not be surprised. And if that happens, Katie, bar the door, because I think she's highly electable. I can hardly stand to listen or watch her because she seems to be a very angry woman and a woman who I, I will never be able to forgive saying she really wasn't proud of her country until her husband was, you know, in the highest office. I mean, really? That that to me showed great lack of patriotism and respect for all the great things that this country has given to her and her husband and that family. And that is the opportunity to succeed. And um, we'll have to see where it, where it, where it goes. I don't know. Um, the numbers, 314 uh, if you want to weigh in um, with your prediction. Uh, in a few minutes, we're going to join. Uh, we're going to be joined by uh, uh, Virginia Cruda and we're going to ask her what uh, what she thinks maybe, of my little prognostication there, because I, I just watch out for Susan Rice. Watch out for her. She's she's active behind the scenes. And I think she may be active in helping the Democrats figure out who's going to be Joe Biden's replacement, because I don't think I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't even make it through this entire term. Uh, much less to the next election, the guy is just folding. And, and by say make it, I don't, I don't know whether he'll medically make it, but I'm talking about politically. I think that his fortunes are going to sink as the economy begins to suffer, GDP slowing down, the 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 rate of growth uh, in this country is slowing down. Uh, the Fed has boogered this thing up, starting back in, you know, the Trump administration. Frankly, when the rates were too low, they Obama they've been too low for too long. And that fuels inflation. And now inflation, in order to tame it, they're going to react and careen from one side of the Fed rate hike to the other side. We're going to have no Fed, uh, you know, zero interest rates practically for the daily funds rate to to now, you know, crazy rates. And look at what happens in response to inflation. Look Look what happens to the economy when they do those kind of crazy maneuvers. I just don't trust people. God love those people sitting on the Fed. Bench, right? They're good people. You know, I'm not saying they're any better or worse than anyone else, but they're flawed human beings. And for them to be able to predict how individual human reactions and the mill, the billions of them that go on every day in commerce throughout this country and globally, how they can predict and then think that they can control and respond to those human interactions in a way that will be economy healthy and pleasing to the gods of the economy, whoever those are. (laughs) I mean, you got to be kidding me. You can't do that. Milton Friedman said as much, and he was right. You cannot predict, control, or manipulate the, or I think you can, to some grand benefit, grand strategic plan, even if you are well-meaning, even if it's not about consolidating your power or abusing your power, you just can't do it. And I think we need to um, we need to keep that in mind and we need to um, limit their power. We need to limit uh, the power of the central government. And um, this should be one of the core debates that we have as we head into this into this federal election coming up. I'm Randy Tobler. There's Leah. We are the Randy Tobler show. When we come back, we'll be joined by Virginia Cruta. Want to talk with her about uh the presidential race it's not too early to talk about that now particularly with the uh, biden's performance after his re-election announcement uh last week and uh maybe some thoughts about what she thinks about the whole tucker carlson flap and where that may be going matt gates has just tweeted out omg you won't believe what's up with tucker next of course there was no there were no details given wow talk about a tease, huh? Tucker's going to be up to something, no doubt. We'll talk with Virginia Cruda about that and what else is going on in our world in just a few when we're back on the Tobler Show. Stay right there. All right, all right. Welcome back to the program. Our weekly chat with Virginia Cruda. And Virginia, I am whipped. I was telling my wife during the break and Leah during the break I don't know about you, but this news cycle and trying to stay up with it, whether it's Tucker, whether it's Joe Biden and his foibles, you know, uh, and trying to figure out where we're headed economically then late in the week. uh, And never mind the transgender conversation going on day to day. Oh, and the Missouri legislature. And can they get their act together? Man, it's just exhausting. I'm just whipped by the time I get to Saturday morning. Where should we start? What do you think about Joe Biden for re-election? And he can't even decide whether he wants Donald Trump re-elected or he wants himself re-elected.
5: Oh, my goodness. I don't know where to start with that. I I will say this. You know, you were talking about the news cycle, and it is a crazy news cycle. Um, The fact that for the first time, I think, in history, I agree with Howard Stern. Um, (laughs) He said something earlier this week about how uh, Don Lemon was lucky that he got fired like two hours after Tucker Carlson did because nobody cared. Everybody was consumed by the Tucker Carlson news. No one cared that Don Lemon had just gotten canned. And I think that the Joe Biden announcement kind of works the same way. It works in his favor that he announced in the vacuum that was left by the Tucker Carlson announcement because nobody cared. <laughs> like Nobody was watching. And the thing is, it's, it's unfortunate for Republicans because the more people watch Joe Biden's ad, the more who understood this is a guy who could not the party couldn't trust him to make a live announcement. So he released a video. He released a video at five o'clock in the morning. He didn't do a rally. He didn't do a public appearance. He didn't get a giant crowd and say, guys this is the momentum I have. Let's go. And that's what you expect from a sitting president. If you've got a sitting president who can't muster that, then you have a problem. And that ad really only plays to the base. And so then you have the added complication. Most sitting presidents don't get primaried from within their own party. But there are already a few people who have have kind of come out. uh, Marianne Williamson, for one, um uh rfk jr for another and you can you can have a debate about how serious they are as candidates but you can't deny the fact that there's an appetite for something that isn't joe biden on the left and the dnc by releasing that video as the dnc they've already said joe biden is our guy they've already said we're not going to host any primary debates we're not going to allow any conversation about this within our party joe biden is our guy And that puts the DNC in kind of a risky position as well. So what happens if there is a platform out there that's willing to host a debate for the people who aren't Joe Biden and let people hear the other ideas that are coming from the left? What happens then? And what happens if, I mean, RFK is polling at like 19%. It's stupid. Like, (laughs) and this is a guy that they say is a joke and has no chance. And maybe that's right. Nineteen percent isn't winning, but nineteen percent is huge when you have an incumbent president in your party.
0: Yeah, but but to to I think give support to your argument that Joe can't or may not or won't be the man. Uh, listen to what he said in the wake of his announcement. This was. Uh, this was just the other day after he had announced his reelection bid. Listen to this. Suddenly, the United States looks very much like a one oh, star state. Wait, wait, us Leah, that was my bad. That was my bad. I, I'm sorry. I, I, wanted, I, to to what, anyway. I, I wanted to listen to Tucker anyway. I wanted you to listen to what Tucker had to say <laughs> as a presage. This was his yeah. video from Wednesday at the same mm-hmm. time as his show aired. Take a listen. That's a depressing realization, but it's not permanent. Our current
2: orthodoxies won't last. They're brain dead. Nobody actually believes them. Hardly anyone's life is improved by them. This moment is too inherently ridiculous to continue. And so it won't. The people in charge know this. That's why they're hysterical and aggressive. They're afraid. They've given up persuasion. They're resorting to force. But it won't work. When honest people say what's true, calmly and without embarrassment, they become powerful. At the same time, the liars who've been trying to silence them shrink and they become weaker. That's the iron law of the universe. True things prevail. Where can you still find Americans saying true things? There aren't many places left, but there are some, and that's enough. As long as you can hear the words, there is hope. See you soon.
0: So Virginia, I think he's um, he's previewing a growing let- movement. I think Tucker yeah. is previewing a growing movement of Americans that are are thirsting. There, there's been such a drought for truth, and Tucker tends to lead that. Now, his brand is a little tarnished with some of the texts that came out and emails from him, uh, in contradistinction to what he was saying over the air. Um, all that said, I think his themes of truth. And let's rip the bandage off of the deep, um, festering you know, blisters that, that, that are our American politics these days. I don't know what he's going to do next, but I think his voice will be heard loud and clear in this cycle. What say you?
5: Well, I don't know how damaged he really is by that because he's always made a point on his show to let people talk, right? He's not one of those guys who talks over his guests. He lets them talk doesn't mean he agrees with them and maybe he doesn't say so on the air but he says so in private text this is what i agree with this is what i disagree with but the point is he understands what the people want to hear and that's what his show is about they want to ask the questions they want to hear the people answer those questions they don't want to hear him talking over the people answering those questions and he understands that so when right. he you know is venting off air he might say something different than he says on the show, but that's perfectly reasonable for him to have an opinion that he doesn't voice on the show, especially if he's going to do so in language that would get him taken off the air. So I'm not really, I, 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 don't, I I'm not really getting as twisted over Tucker's private text as a lot of people are, just because uh, the, and, and also, I'll throw in the context. I do know Tucker. You know, I used to work for The Daily Caller. The Daily Caller had close ties with Tucker Carlson for years. He helped co-found it before he left to be fully at Fox just a couple years ago. He divested. So this is a guy who he's not apologetic for the views that he holds. But when he changes his mind, he tells people and he tells people why. Because like, if you remember early on in his career, he supported it, He supported the Iraq war. And in a recent interview, he talked about, look, this is, this is one of the things that I regret doing. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have, uh, I, you know, I shouldn't have, have stood up and supported that. I, it was the wrong, the wrong choice and I wasn't thinking. And I know better now. And I think that yeah. that's something whether everybody else admits it or not that makes a bigger impression on the american people than a lot of things because how many people do you see willing to stand up and say they're apologize for any wrong opinion i mean don lemon they caught up to him on the red carpet this week at some fancy event and asked him how he felt about losing his job and he says he snaps I didn't lose my job I lost my sister I know what priorities are jobs aren't as important as people which to me says he's desperate to get his job back but you know and then they catch up to Tucker Carlson and like how are you doing he's like retirement's going great so far I'm gonna have dinner with my wife you know (laughs) it's a very different Different perspective because Tucker's like, I haven't had dinner with my wife on a weeknight in seven years because Mm -hmm. he's always doing show prep. It makes sense, you know, but that tells me that's a guy who's got his priorities in line. But again, I'm speaking from the context of I know this guy and I don't think he's really bothered by the fact that he's not at Fox anymore.
0: No, I think in the two minutes we have left, I'd like you to comment on uh, Megan Kelly's brisk defense of him. I mean, she said this nonsense about him being a bully and a misogynist and blah, blah, blah is just that's not the I mean, you know, he's being painted out to be some kind of a of a cultural monster. And that's not the Tucker she knew. Um, And so I think there's been a feeding frenzy to try to destroy him personally. And I don't know oh, what's absolutely. the fox. What's the fox agenda? I don't know. But it's it's good to hear women coming to his rescue when he's allegedly going to be accused by a producer who apparently never met him of somehow, you know, being a being a misogynist or you know, sexual harassment.
5: Yeah, you know, I think people are too too quick anymore to jump to sexual harassment and bully, and there there are. There are traits that people in media have that get things done that in some very sensitive circles might be looked at as bullying. Now, I have a very different perspective because I came to journalism from the military. And the military has a very specific way of getting things done. And there are times when instructions given or the way instructions are barked at people. If the instruction was giving, given by a male to a female, there might be some people who think that that's misogynistic, but it's not. It's just, this is how you get things done. It's, um, it's very, it's very simple. But when, when you, when you put a softer civilian lens on it, it looks different. Does that make sense?
0: Oh, yeah. No, I get it. And and I
5: think that the media, the media is a cutthroat business. If you say the wrong thing, you can get fired. If you look the wrong way, you can get fired. If you have the wrong guests on and you let them say the wrong thing, you can get fired. I mean, there are certain things that have to be done in a certain way. And if you have people who are worried more about their own sensitivities than getting the job done, then they're going to feel like they're being bullied.
0: Well, Leah wants to make sure I don't get fired because we're up against a hard break. In fact, when Virginia Cruda with me, not only will I not get fired, but I will. my brand will be elevated because you always add so much deep insight. Thanks, as always, Virginia. Really appreciate it. Look forward to our next conversation. All right. All right. There she is, Virginia Cruda. When we come back, Ian Pryor, Parents of the World Unite. That right after the top of the hour. Nothing else than take to heart what you're about to hear. Uh, It will have been a very, very good day. So focus on the message that my guest Ian Pryor, who was at the very point of the spear in the fight in Loudoun County against a corrupt superintendent, administration and a woke ideology that uh, threatened to bring down that school and he joins us now, uh, attorney and author, and we're gonna talk about how to fight back. How you doing Ian, thanks for joining me.
2: How's it going, thanks for having me.
0: So this is, uh, I, this just is like the guidebook, uh, your new book, Parents of the World Unite, How to Save Our School from the Left's Radical Agenda. I mean, I think that this is a book that should be read by every parent in probably every school district, except maybe the most red meat-eaten <laughs> uh, uh, Gadsden flag-flying school districts in the country, because it has infiltrated the higher education of the teachers that are in those schools, no matter where they're at. And so it's, uh, it's, it's really resonating, I'm sure, with everyone. How's the book doing? so
2: far? Yeah, I mean, it's doing great. We're uh, getting a lot of a lot of good reviews, a lot of traction. You know, it, it really is. I mean, the, the title Parents of the World Unite, I, you know, it really does tell the story of, of what's in those pages, because, you know, I get a lot where, you know, I've worked as a lawyer, I've worked in politics and, and people are like, well, you know, you know how to do all this stuff. Well, yeah, but I couldn't have done this alone and and that's really the lesson it it was It was a combination of of people that that all had different skill sets and and we really were able to operationalize. Um, and you know, you would had parents that were really good at at organizing other parents for for rallies, and you know, going to school board meetings. You had others that were you know just FOIA hound dogs that were you know constantly sending Freedom of Information Act requests. Um, you had others that you know like me, but others that that understood the laws that the schools were governed by. They had people that were you know really great on media and could go out there and, and spread the message. So you know, we really just had to had to band together and figure out. You know, different ways and, and different points of, of vulnerability that, you know, fortunately our school board kept showing us.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, and, and I guess that's that's part of the issue, right, is to, to try to find your way through the fog of, you know, the communications specialist or, you know, the director of misinformation, that big air finger quotes on that one, you know, because they put up a pretty good rhetorical um, fog for parents to fight through, don't they?
2: they do they do and but when you when you utilize all these different methods and and you're talking to teachers in the school that are, that are feeding you information or other parents, you know, they, they really end up looking stupid and it damages their credibility. I'll give you an example, you know, back in, in early 2021, there was this issue uh, on the critical race theory um, piece of it. And they kept telling us, you know, Oh yeah, we're not teaching critical race theory. We're like, okay. We know you're not teaching the course critical race theory. Okay. That's so I guess they were honest in that respect, but it was, gaslighting, right? So, you know, we just continued to get document after document showing, okay, this is what your teachers are being trained in. This is what you're presenting your students. But even to make it better, we were able to find an email from the former superintendent that said in the email yes we do use critical race theory in our teacher training and our social justice curriculum so it's like we just exposed you for lying so you can say all you want but you're a liar and, and that's the one thing that I found is when you show that these elected officials and bureaucrats are covering things up and lying you know that that is repulsive across the political spectrum except really on the far left they'll accept anything to their agenda
0: <laughs> you're right. And I don't know if uh, you're a fan of Jordan Peterson. I am. And, uh, of course, he had the, the, the mega hit, you know, the 12 rules for life. And you have 12 rules for strategic success when you're battling your local public school board. And I thought, wow, how, uh, how apropos that is. And you talk about... Um, there's some military metaphors you use, like uh, every neighborhood is a ba- is a battlefield, and you talk about how important it is to is to have a little showmanship because after all, successful generals were pretty good showmen. Um, it really is a battle, isn't it? It's a, it, it nice guys aren't going to win this battle. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, there there are two two kinds of metaphors that I always love to use. One is, is military and one is, is sports. And I think they're they're really easy for, for just about everybody to understand. Of course, you know, the left will twist that. And be like, oh, you want to turn every neighborhood into a battlefield? Like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm telling you, it's already there. You know, there are people in your neighborhoods, in your communities that, that don't want you to believe what you believe, that don't want you to voice an opinion that you have, that don't want you to raise your kids the way you believe they should be raised. No, they want to be in charge of all that, right? You have to believe what they believe, you have to have their opinions. You have to raise your kids the way they want to raise their kids. You know, and, and unfortunately if you're not aware of that, you could get you could find yourself on on the, the wrong end of an attack from another member of the community.
0: Yeah, uh, we're talking with Ian Pryor, uh, who was, of course, at Ground Zero, and and uh, I, such a you were such a visible leader on, of course, the news networks, and and uh, we we saw your speeches in front of the board, and they were fiery, and they were um, quite effective, um, and to look at the expression of the people you were talking to, it's priceless. It was like a Mastercard moment. It was priceless. Um, author of the book "Parents of the World Unite: How to Save Our Schools from the Left's Radical Ad- Agenda." Now, having been on a public school board in a small rural district uh, before we move to uh, to columbia missouri um where there's a, a, a huge raging battle between many of the parents constituencies and people with uh, the parents uh, who are listening to this program many of them and the school board they're highly liberal um and like we said that 's really not too different than most of them there I have a little empathy for school boards, um, especially those where there 's unionized teachers, which I think describes a lot of the nation 's school districts and with the with the national department the Federal Department of Education Ian and then with the strength of the of the teachers' unions, it, I would think that even well meaning um, well-meaning school boards or, uh, you know, a, a, a significant plurality of members of those boards might feel emasculated because of the, 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 the huge momentum and the strong tides by both the Federal Department of Education, in some cases the state, and certainly the, the teachers' unions. Uh, how did you or did you find any effectiveness in at least recognizing some of uh, some of those struggles that well-meaning board members, maybe on your side, would have?
2: Yeah, and I think I think that's absolutely right. And you can also add in, you know, the the administrators in in the ad, um, administration that have gone through all these woke programs in, in college that you know have vastly more resources than the school board members you know i find that there's there's really a few kinds of school board members right there's the, the diehard activists they're going there because they want to implement their agenda and then you've got your your sort of political climber right they don't really care they're just doing this on their way up the political ladder to the next step then you've got the people that that you know really do mean well you may not always agree with them, um, but but they do mean well, and and you know unfortunately they end up getting beaten down by those those first two. And it God. takes somebody to have real strength to go there and, and make a difference. You know, we had a, we had a school board member that we actually, you know, we pursued with removal of removal case and she ended up stepping down, you know, for a while she, we kind of thought of her as the, the big daddy. Um, but, you know, after, after getting off, I think she, she said a lot of things that, that made sense, which is, you know, that her own, her own sort of um, colleagues would, would go after her for, for just about everything. And then you have community going after her and sure, sure. She made a lot of mistakes. And, you know, not excusing her behavior, but um, I I certainly sympathize when you go there and you're immediately asked to be this political animal or else you're going to be sidelined and shamed.
0: Yeah, it's probably important to remind them too, and I'm sure along the way you and your allies did remind them that they're working for you. <laughs> it's not the other way around. Parents are not working for them, and uh, you know, you got to make sure you get the uh, the the reporting relationship correct there,
2: <laughs> right? Well, yeah, I mean that's right. They, they do work for us, and and you know, it's almost like we're they're they're the kids, and and we're the parents, and you know, you've got to <laughs> you've got to kind of listen to what we're saying because you know that's the way it works, and. Unfortunately, Fortunately, what we see is, you know, if kids want to do things that, that their parents, um, you know, don't think are appropriate, they're gonna they're gonna hide it, right? And they're gonna not tell the truth, and they're gonna try and get away with it. And that's certainly what we saw with with our school board in 2021, which you know, ultimately all of that resulted in, in Glenn Youngkin becoming governor and Jason Yar is becoming attorney general, which turned into a criminal investigation into our superintendent who was indicted in December. <laughs>
0: launched a national wave and a pushback and, and were, you know, the, the spark of the voice for so many parents who really have felt emasculated uh, with, uh, you know, the onslaught of the the power brokers in education. What do you say to parents who are concerned about getting involved in a resistance, uh, for lack of a better word, um, that there might be retaliation against their children uh, academically or otherwise, maybe, in the, you know, in the, in the extracurriculars?
2: Yeah. I mean, look, I, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. it. It is a, uh, it is a concern when, when you go out there because, you know, what I've seen is that the parents that are standing up, I mean, they operate by a, by a certain set of rules, right? And and moral rules, legal rules, ethical rules. But, but those on the far left that are really pushing these policies, they don't play by the same rules. That said, you know, I, I always kind of say, be like Mike, right? And you, you go back to Michael Jordan in the 80s and 90s and you know, the Detroit Pistons and the New York Knicks. I mean, they used to just mug that guy on the court, you know, really play dirty. But you know what? He, uh, he built himself up in the, in the late 80s and, um, you know, averaged, what, 35 points a game with a smile and his tongue sticking out on, on his way to six uh, NBA championships and, you know, probably the best NBA player, at least in my lifetime. And, you know, I think that's a lesson is that, you, look, you can go fight this. You are going to take the slings and arrows, but you got to steal yourself. you got to put on your suit of armor and you gotta go, You got to go win.
0: And I guess you have to remind your child to keep you informed if you're if there's really some overt nonsense going on. Right. In terms of maybe not yeah. uh, the coach not playing them or the, 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 the teacher not uh, giving them a voice in the classroom. If it's, you know, a, a, a raise your hand kind of a thing.
2: Yeah, that's right. And, you know, one of the things, too, that, that I've noticed is that, you know, a lot of the stuff when we're talking about this, this transgender ideology and not telling the parents and, you know, it doesn't quite affect the, the, the kids of conservatives as much because those kids are, you know, they're, they know what they're looking for and they, they, you know, they have a good sense sense of what's what's reality and what's not reality. It's really the parents that you know, may not be paying attention to this, this issue. And, and they're the ones that, you know, maybe they're in the middle, maybe they're center left or I don't know where they are, but they're shocked when it happens to them and their Mm kids And they don't know what to do because, you know, a lot of their friends are are on the left and they've, they've certainly been all inclusive and supportive except when it comes to their doorstep. Right. And now it's a different issue. And you know, they they're afraid to stand up because they're going to lose their entire support structure. They're going to lose their entire friend, you know, network. But I think that the parents out there standing up are, they're the ones actually inclusive. I mean, they're the ones saying, look, we're here for you. It doesn't matter what, what, what you know, side of the political spectrum you're on, as long as you're there to make sure that, you know, standing up for your kids, you know, we can lock arms and, and fight this battle together.
0: Yeah. You know, I've interviewed teachers who have felt as though they could not really speak their opposition to the CRT and the woke agenda. Um, again, because, you know, people need to put put food on the table, right? And and they felt muzzled and some have, you know, courageously stepped out and said, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I imagine you found some allies among uh, the teachers in Loudon School District.
2: Oh, yeah, man, certainly. You know, I don't think this is a battle we could have fought without teachers. And I always find it hilarious when, you know, the pushback from the left is they hate teachers. Like, no, no, actually, we, we love teachers. You know, we love them because they're the ones keeping us informed. Now, not all of them. It's like any other profession. You're going to have good ones. You're going to have okay ones. You're going to have bad ones. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of teachers, and I've certainly experienced with my own kids, um, teachers that, you know, you really could trust and and they understood what was going on and they were going to let you know everything and keep that open lines of communication. And that's really how teachers should be. I mean, it shouldn't be, you know, we work for the school, not for you. On the other hand, you know, if I'm a teacher teaching, you know, trigonometry, I don't expect uh, some dad coming in and say you're not teaching it right. Well nobody would expect that but as far as some of these other issues that really aren't the purview of you know government run schools yeah I mean I think teachers should blow the whistle when this kind of thing is happening
0: I know my dad being a longtime teacher and having talked to the teachers that are so frustrated with all of the distractions from what they what they are about and why they entered the profession it was to educate children to become permanently curious little critters whether they're 10 or whether they're 60 right and that's the love of learning and and, and teachers that are undistracted by all of the wokeness and all the, the crazy stuff they learn in most of their professional development stuff a lot of them I think would say like please thank you thank you Ian and friends, for letting us get back to what we're about. They've got to love that.
2: Yeah, and and look, I mean, there are teachers, I'll be honest, I've I've met teachers that Quite frankly, are on the opposite end of of the spectrum on all of these issues from me, right? Um, but when they get into class, they're just teachers, and you know I have a lot of respect for that because you you can have your views. Uh, nobody's saying that you can't have your views, even if we disagree with them. But when you start putting them into the classroom in your role as a you know a public school teacher, well then then there's a problem. And right. so it, it's not about you know everybody has to have the same viewpoint or, you know, they're a terrible person, but it's, look, if you're working for the government, then you can't be implementing your viewpoint, especially when it's against the will of of the parents that, you know, pay their salaries and send their kids to those schools.
0: Ian Pryor, thank you for writing the book. Thank you for your courage in speaking out and, uh, like I said, becoming the lead of a movement that has swept the country. Again, the book is Parents of the World Unite, How to Save Our Schools from the Left's Radical Agenda. I, uh, I view it as a guidebook for every parent that wants to get involved. And, uh, boy, there's a lot of involvement needed. Thank you, my friend. Thanks for joining me. Good luck with the book. All right. Take care. Thank you. Well, Ian Pryor, in a, a, a roadmap book that I would recommend, should you want to be involved, and if you aren't in a school district that is promulgating CRT, DEI, separating our children, other, them, making one a group of a, being a member of an oppressor group and the other being a member of an oppressed group, if you want to fight back against that, the indoctrination, not the education of our children, his book would be one to read. Ian Pryor, um, Parents of the World Unite, uh, because I think those battles will rage on at the school board hearings and at their meetings um, in this area uh, and around the country. Make sure you, you take that to heart. When we come back, Sam Alito, Justice Samuel Alito, thinks he knows who the leaker was and their motivation of the draft. Dobbs decision, of course, that created so much furor and may have ultimately resulted in that, at least partially, in that attempt on Justice Kavanaugh's life last year. We'll talk about that and other um, interesting vagaries of our national scene when we come back on The Tobler Show. If you want to join in in the program, please do. 314-912-1019. That's the phone number here for 1019-941-NEWS-TALK-STL on a Saturday morning. Be right back. have heard that yesterday it broke, that Justice Samuel Alito says that he has a good idea who um, the leaker was, and that while the marshal who was directed by John Roberts to investigate the leak of the Dobbs draft um, ahead of the actual decision, which created so much of a furor And resulted in protest in front of several of the justices, the conservative justices' homes. While the marshal, nor he could come up with enough compelling evidence to reach that threshold to which someone could be publicly named, um, he thinks he knows. And here's what he says in an interview with um, the Wall Street Journal. It's the weekend interview. They do a weekly interview in their weekend edition. It's a great, great read. Sam Alito says that the marshal, quote, did a good job with resources that were available to her and agrees that the evidence was insufficient for a public accusation. Quote, I personally have a pretty good idea who is responsible. This is just as Samuel Alito knows who it was. But that's different from the level of proof that is needed to name somebody, he said. He's also certain about the motive Quote, it was part of an effort to prevent the Dobbs draft from becoming the decision of the court. And that's how it was used for those six weeks. That is from May to when the decision was released by people on the outside as part of the campaign to try to intimidate the court. And he really believes that that this was an incitement to potential violence. And we saw a, uh, you know, an arrest of a guy who was armed and ready to attack Justice Brent Kavanaugh and his family. In June, Alito goes on, those of us who were thought to be in the majority, thought to have approved my draft opinion, were really at targets of assassination. It was rational for people to believe that they might be able to stop the decision in Dobbs by killing one of us. I don't think that's a misprint. It was rational for people to believe that they might be able to stop the decision in Dobbs by killing one of us. And then it was on June 8th that an armed man was arrested outside the home of Justice Brett Kavanaugh. We live in a time when trust and confidence in relationships of, of confidentiality have been absolutely breached. Government officials... Releasing to media, for instance, things that should not be released? Uh, Why is it that CNN was there with cameramen at the ready when Roger Stone, uh, a Trump ally, was arrested at his home in Florida, or his home was raided in Florida? You know, these kind of things are beyond the pale. And now and previously a very sacred trust relationship among justices and the people that work for them, that intern for them and work for them. Um, apparently, I mean, I, I think he's implying it was someone working for one of the liberal judges that, that uh, exposed the, their draft decision to try to then lead to others taking up the gauntlet against those judges in a very vocal way, protesting loudly outside their homes in, uh, in D.C., when Justice Alito was uh, asked about the speculation by some pundits, some on the left, remember during that episode last year, said, "Well, this is actually the conservative justices. This was someone on the conservative side who were maybe trying to attempt to lock in and really consolidate the efforts of those and the, and the thoughts and the opinions of those those five justices, the five justice majority, and overturn the constitutional right." Alito responded, that's infuriating to me. Look, he said, this made us targets of assassination. Would I do that to myself? Would the five of us have done that to ourselves? It's quite implausible. So this is bombshell stuff, and I, for one, wish that we could find out who it was. Can you imagine how little trust and collegiality exists on the Supreme Court after that episode last year when it's suspected by one of the leading judges there? The guy who wrote that draft, that one of his colleagues, one of the other in black robes, or and or, or maybe with the approval of them, one of their interns must have uh, you know leaked that. It comes to the credibility of government people sitting in government in working in places of of high authority and high power, and whether they're the justices themselves or whether it's people working for them. Why can't we be told the truth? Why can't confidential discussions be held in confidence until it's appropriate to release them? Um, I, for one, don't want to know about some of the things that go on in war. And yet, and that's probably contributing to why we won the wars that we'd won prior to Vietnam. uh, Because, you know, reporters were a little more restrained. They were Americans first. They were reporters second. And it used to be one in the same that an American reporter protected the interests of the military. And now those on the left try to destroy them. We saw what happened in the reporting and some of the things during the Middle Eastern conflicts. We have government officials that regularly lie to us. Well, in one uh, such um, back and forth, we've we've heard. I think that the travesty that is Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas time after time, like Here's what's been going on at the border and, and why one congressman describes how atrocious, how absolutely atrocious border security has been and the ramifications for our country economically, the deaths by fentanyl poisoning on and on and on. I mean, law and order has gone awry with the proliferation of gang violence. And how about human trafficking as a result of Mayorkas's intransigence? Congressman, this is clip number eight, Leah. This is a Congressman describing the awful border situation.
3: Our border is not open. Let me
0: be clear. Our border is not open. So Mayorkas says the border is not open, but actually it is. And Congressman, that's clip number eight, Katie, uh, I mean, Leah, on Katie's uh, list, um, this is what the congressman describes as the border situation.
2: Here's the Biden administration and add all the numbers up, the 5 million encounters,
0: the 1.4 million gotaways. You put it all together. We're talking six, well over 6 million people. More, by the way, than many states'
2: population, like 25 state populations, by the way. Um, it's greater than all of the folks who came in under... President Obama and President Trump, 12 years combined, in just two years. What happened? Well, we didn't cut the budget. We didn't suddenly decrease the size of Customs and Border Patrol. What Joe Biden and Alejandro Mayorkas did is they did away with 89 policies of previous presidents. That was the
0: difference. And yet... Alejandro Mayorkas continues to just arrogantly, clip number one, Leah, continues to arrogantly over and over repeat that the border is secure. It's not open, despite what the facts say. He may think it is because he said to the border people, make it so, but it isn't so because of his misapplication and refusal to strictly apply border security policy. Here's his statement.
3: Our border is not open. Let me be clear. Our border is not open and will not be open after May 11th.
0: Now, what happens on May 11th? Well, it happens to be one of my daughter's birthdays, but um, so it's a very important day. But I think to those who have been knocking at the door and who want Title 42 to go away, it goes away on May 11th. Things are ramping up on the other side of the border. We hear that the hordes are going to be coming across because now there'll be no Title 42 to dissuade them or to give him a limited, I mean, license to do implement in his very limited and apathetic way the Title 42 restrictions. So it's going to get worse. I mean, it's going to go from bad to worse. I can't imagine that it could get worse than it is. How many more tens, if not hundreds of thousands of Americans, are going to suffer and die under fentanyl poisoning because of the border crisis? How many people are going to be trafficked because of the border security issue? How many people are going to be maimed, murdered, their, their houses vandalized and pilfered and stolen from and burglarized because of his border intransigence, it's going to get worse. But all the while, all the while, this is clip number four, Leah, the government continues to double down on issues, and we're going to cover those in the last segment, not only at the state level, at the national level, um, the issues that really are, or should be tangential. They should be peripheral to the important things that government should be about. But this ideological, I don't know why we use the, woke, the word woke. This is the most ideological asleep administration and party and movement I, had, I have ever seen. And that is emphasizing these cultural, you know, transgender and behavioral lifestyle choice things over the important matters. Here's KJP On what was important to her this week that just passed. Listen. What's
5: going on?
1: (laughs) All right. uh, Happy Tuesday. So this week is Lesbian Visibility Week. And as the first openly queer person to hold the position of press secretary for the president of the United States, I see every day how important visibility and representation are. Today, I'm honored to welcome the cast of the L Word and Generation Q two Showtime series that chronicle the friendship, the love, the challenges and the triumphs of strong, funny and resilient queer
0: women. All right. And she goes on to say that she's a proud, you know, the first openly queer woman at the White House, you know, presidential spokesperson level. Look. This is not about hating people that choose those lifestyles. This is not about fear of those people. This is about our priorities for a government. A government needs to protect the rights of those people, to protect the safety of people. Yes, absolutely. Just like they need to protect the safety of the Supreme Court justices. When the DOJ under Merrick Garland, decided not to prosecute people protesting in front of the conservative justices' homes under Section 1507, where it clearly says you cannot protest with in front of their homes, near their residences, with the intent and business. They were in clear violation of the law. Merrick Garland, in testimony last month, said that there was nothing, that he didn't restrict uh, anyone from making an arrest there. The marshals could have done that. When it came out later that there was clear evidence and an Alabama representative had it in a training segment for the DOJ and the marshals that they were not supposed to do anything about it. I mean, it's the lies that are being told regarding the inability of this government to equally apply the law in matters of public safety, personal safety, property rights, all the while they spend they're their days weeks hours thinking about how to proliferate the climate change lie and elevate to the primary point of every discussion transgenderism lgbtqia plus is that did i get it right lee i think i got them all right yeah thank you <laughs> i've had enough but there's more and who else but Pete Buttigieg is to give that, the gift that keeps on giving. We'll talk about that when we come back and close it out on the Randy Tobler Show. The number is 1019 If you want to comment, please weigh in because this is just craziness, guys. We'll be back. All right, we're back. And... Um, so little time, so much to say. Leah's back this week. Great to have her back. We'll thank Anton for doing a good job last week. Um, I'm sorry, Quentin for doing a great job last week. Anton, I think, was week before. A cavalcade of producers, because Leah is lifting her way to stardom and crossfitting her way to stardom. I don't know about that. You, did, you, did, you said you did good last week, right?
1: I did well. Not as great as I wanted to, but mm. it's fine.
0: Hey, so now you can't enter the, um, the Mother's Day uh, promotion that we have, which is really cool. It's, uh, I love my mom because, and listeners are asked to uh, tell us in a sentence or two why they love their mom. And you know, you can think about your school project you did as a kid with your mom, and boy, I can tell you, my mom helped me at the last minute with a couple that I was struggling with. Uh, moms are good at that, aren't they? Uh, no matter what it is, News Talk STL and Blush Jewelers are teaming up to celebrate our moms and you need to help us celebrate yours. Um, So you go go to NewstalkSTL.com in a sentence or two, tell us why you love your mom and every entry will be posted on the website and you can see why your mom, you know, is uh, and other moms are so great. And then a randomly selected winner will win a $500 $500 gift certificate to Blust Jewelers just in time for Mama's Day. So go to NewstalkSTL.com. The details are there. And make sure that you hit Blust Jewelers at BlustJewelers.com as well. What a great opportunity to go in there and pick something out for Mom. And, I mean, not you ought to buy it whether or not you get the $500 gift certificate. There's a great bargain, great value over there at Blust. But then, uh, boy, if you get the $500 gift certificate, that's cool. So, yeah. Um, we want to fill up that gallery uh, of entries on the website, okay? Now, Leah, when you're on your way to work or to school, and by the way, everyone needs to pray for Leah's, you know, great performance and her finals next week. You have finals next week, right, Leah? I do.
1: Yep.
0: Okay, so everyone will be out there pulling for producer Leah. And um, and then you graduate. You walk across the stage when?
1: Next sa- Next week? Saturday.
0: Next Saturday. During
1: oh,
0: this yeah, show. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Okay. So, um, well, we'll let you, we'll excuse you for that. We'll let you off. For Thank that. you. Okay. Um, when you're on your way in your car, are you worried that the test dummy, you know, that they use in the crash tests are geared and they have been for decades to, to roughly the, a 70 kilogram man? Do you think that your safety is threatened because of that, Leah? No. Not at all. It's not on your mind, huh? No. It's not the first thing on Leah's mind when she's, oh my gosh, if I have an accident, I'm worried that they haven't engineered the protective equipment and the airbags and (coughs) the seatbelts and whatever other safety equipment they have to my specific characteristics because... They didn't have a woman in the test crash that they did. Well, of course, Pete Buttigieg is is at it. I mean, and there's representatives, a representative Rosa DeLauro of uh, Connecticut was praising the transportation secretary last week because he came out saying that the gender inequity that we've been suffering under, Leah, you've been oppressed because you didn't have like gendered. Test crash dummies in the cars all these years. Isn't yeah. that terrible? Yeah, I think I'll live. And then we—that's look. This the, the obsession that this movement and the elected officials and their appointees have with this crazy woke agenda is just—it's on a fevered pitch. And it's it—that's but that's why we talk about it so much to point out how it is distracting from the real things at hand. Now there's no doubt that probably you do need different engineering for a you know for a woman than a man uh of a certain size or a certain girth or whatever the problem is there are women that are as girthy as men and as tall as men and there are men that are less girthy or as girthy as other women it doesn't matter it's a matter of it's a it's a matter of body mass and to be all worked up over this when Pete Buttigieg bungled the Train crash, as abysmally as he did. <clears throat> uh, it's it's sad because there are much bigger fish to fry. Let me tell you, much bigger fish to fry. In another story where the culture is just absolutely a disaster, Leah, you sent me this and I hadn't seen this one, but uh, we have a we have a mom. You know, for for unconstitutionally, she says, discriminating against uh, her religious beliefs um, because she was denied an adoption over her gender beliefs. An Oregon mother of five claims that her religious beliefs on gender barred her from adopting a pair of siblings in Oregon. She's taken it to the courts. Her name's Jessica Bates. And... um, she said that her certifier that, you know, the people that scrutinize whether you're worthy of being an adoptive parent because only the state, whether you're a worker, that certifier emphasized the sexual orientation and gender identity training that you have to support it. She said she emailed her and told her, I can't do that because of my faith. Then she had a phone call with the government bureaucrat because she wouldn't take a child for cross sex hormone injections she was told that she was ineligible to adopt. So, because she didn't adopt, the truth that boys are boys, girls are girls, and we shouldn't indiscriminately submit them to puberty-blocking hormones and surgery, and validate that. And more and more parents are buying into this from younger and for younger and younger age children. Who's this? Uh, what's what's the name? Uh, we talked about a few weeks ago. Um, Leah, Jazz Jennings, is that it? Jazz Jennings. Yes, I think Jazz Jennings didn't didn't Jazz Jennings. I think he transitioned at um, like age three or four, very young. I think is when that all started, mm-hmm. and and the and the mom was very approving, and you know, didn't they do a TV series? And yeah, it really made. Yeah,
1: they did. Ugh.
0: What do I hear playing? Nothing. Oh, there must be something playing on my end. Um, anyway, Jazz Jennings was an example of someone that's probably is a is a prototype of of why we need to protect children in some cases from their parents, but not in the way that the Oregon state officials thinking. The Oregon state officials thinking that if you don't, if you don't certify and scrutinize a parent to make sure that they will be looking out for that kid by enabling and endorsing their transition to something they're not, when we know that the vast majority of the time, these children if treated with standard psychiatric therapy will do just fine. And they'll, most of them will end up gay. They won't be, they won't be transgender. And in fact, we're now seeing the, Just It's so difficult to to listen to the stories, the heart-wrenching stories of these people who have transitioned are now regretting it. The girls whose voices are changed forever, whose reproductive capacity has been stolen forever, and no one was their protector. The medical community didn't protect them. The community who, when they take their oath... When we take our oath, it says, do no harm. It is just, uh, it's just, it's just astounding what's going on. And I believe it will continue to be a flashpoint of debate among and between people within parties and between parties and movements. And uh, I, where it's going to end, I don't know. Um. But what I can say is that I don't think that our leader, Joe Biden, has the capacity to manage these discussions and in a, and a, and a true leader of the American people kind of a way. Why? Well, I have evidence of that. Clip number three, Leah. Joe Biden... When asked by children at a "Take Your Kid to Work" day, a visit to the White House by some youngsters the other day, struggled with an answer to a question that you could probably answer. Oh, like, where were you last week? Take a listen. The last country I've traveled, I'm thinking once for the last one I
3: was in. I, I've been to eighty-nine, I met with eighty-nine heads of state so far. So uh, I'm trying to think, what was the last? Where was the last place I was? It's hard to keep track. Everybody. Um, Ireland. I was I mean, yeah, you're right, Ireland. That's where it was. How'd you know that? Oh, you're kidding me.
0: Oh right, man. Okay. I mean, I mean, that is frightening. If If I'm a Democrat operative, I, I've got to be worried. Where's it all headed? Well, that's going to end it for this show. Uh, I think we're out of time, aren't we, Leah? Where's the show go? Why can't you give me more time? (laughs) Oh, well, you can't. Sorry about that. Poor Leah, I'm Randy Tobler. Thanks for being with us this Saturday. We hope you have a fabulous weekend. God willing, we'll see you next Saturday.